You're living life to the fullest. Psalm 6511 is our scripture for the year. It says that you crown 2017 with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. Isn't that good news? And um, I just want to, before we start, just a little tidbit that it's just really on my heart to uh, believe for everybody in our church to be healed. And... um, I know I wasn't raised like that. We were raised in church that God wanted you sick because he's going to teach you something. How many were taught that? How many learned anything from being sick besides (laughs) hugging the the white throne? I mean, I I learned how to do that. But uh, I I think it's, it's a big deal that we all stay on the same page. And that uh, God's will for you, you say, well, what about this? You know, you can do the whatabouts all day long. But let's just stick with the word of God. It says that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed, number one. And let's stick with how good our father is. Do you have a good father? So, I said that to say this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Jesus says this. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons freely, you receive freely, give. Uh, you know, I, I didn't do so well in Kentucky in English. It was uh, an elective. It really wasn't necessary. <laughs> so that's why I talked the way that I talked. But I do know this. What is the subject in the heal the sick? Is it talking about Jesus? Is it talking about God? Who is it? It's talking about you. So you heal the sick, and you know, the first thing people think is, well, I can't heal anybody. You're absolutely right. But do you have to know who is inside of you? How many know that God has to have cooperation with you to heal the sick? And I've prayed this in the past, but I have found out that you get better results by saying this. You know, people say, you know, Father, heal them. Jesus, heal them. Well, to be honest with you, Jesus has already done everything that he's going to do. I know it's a shock to some religious people, but it's good to be shocked every now and then. And this is the reason, because 2,000 years ago, he paid for your salvation, he paid for your redemption, he paid for your poverty, he paid for the curse. So he's saying this, it's about time that the church realized that Christ in us, the hope of glory... Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, so that we need to heal the sick, which means that the Jesus and you, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, I'm not for sure, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, but it says that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, which means that you and God became one when you got born again, when you gave your life to Jesus. And so when you became one, now you have the greater one living in you, so now that you can do Heal the sick. You can do that. All right? So I just want to, you say, well, what happens, you know, if I pray for people and they don't get healed? What happens if you don't pray for people? They're not going to get healed if you don't pray for them. So my point is, I think as a church, we need to be bold. And this is what I do know. Most people don't want to pray for people because you feel unworthy. And so I know that's why God has 
really put it on my heart to teach all of us that you are righteous today. Not based upon what you do, but based upon what he did. Because if the devil can get you and me to think that we're just sinners, we're just worms, we're just all of that yucky stuff. Which I was taught when I was raised in church, but I know this. That you won't be able to have any kind of confidence to pray for anybody if you think you're a sinner, if you're unrighteous, you're unholy. So God wants you to know that if you're born again, listen to me, from that day forward, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If it was based upon you and me doing good, then why did Jesus come? People say, well, you know, Pastor, I saw you sin, I saw you do this, I saw you speeding down the road. And I was trying to get in front of you. That's probably why. <laughs> I still got a little bit, okay, I still got a lot of FedEx blood in me. So, and and uh, all you teenagers, this is not, I'm not saying it's okay. But my point is this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm digging deeper as I keep talking. But the point is this, you know, they say, you, I've seen you do wrong. You obviously just ask my wife. But I needed a Savior. That is the whole purpose of Jesus coming is because you and I could not live a perfect life. So are you advocating for us to sin? No, but I am advocating that if you can renew your mind to know who you are in Christ, you'll have a lot more victory over everything in your life. But if you think you're unrighteous, if you think you're unholy, if you think you're a sinner then you will live like that. And you'll have defeat after defeat after defeat. And you need to be part of the head, not defeat. That was corny, I know. But anyway. Did everybody get one of these sheets that's got uh, someday? Did everybody get one? Raise your hand if you didn't get one. We're going to have an open. You need one? You got one? Everybody on that side? We're going to have a little different church today. It's going to be participation, not just from me. It's going to be from all of us. At the top, it says, I want the youth to make sure you all do this as well. Or kids, where the kids should be downstairs. It says, someday, I want you to list your top three things that what we, for lack of better terms, would be a bucket list. What do you want to do before you die? Three things. You may have 20 things. Give me the top three things that you want to do. Before you die. And then if you finish that, listen to me now. If you finish that, I want you to think about it. And you can even write it down underneath that. If money were no issue, what would you do in Pueblo to change it and make it better? If money were not an object, money was no issue, you had all the money that you want to do, what would you do in Pueblo to make it great? I want you to write that down. All right? All right. Now on this sheet, you'll see a bunch of boxes. This is the national average. It's not the Christian average. If you want to be, I thought about you, Louie. There's 80 squares on this because I think the, there's different statistics uh, that stay. You guys can correct me. But at 81 for a, a longevity for a woman, 76 for a man. So there's 80 squares on here. So if you're a man, you have to scratch or not put an X on the last four. Each one of these boxes represents a year of life. So X, 
every year that you are. There's 10, so if you're 10 years old, you would have 10. If you're 20, you would have the first two rows X. If you're 30, 40, 50, Louis, if you're 90, you would have them all, and you'd have to make blanks on the back. <laughs> so the point is, this will give you a perspective. You know, when I was a teenager, I thought 60 or 70 was like eternity, like thousands of years away. I'm 57 now, and 60 is just real close. I know, I don't look at, I know. What are you all laughing at? This is the point I want you to see, because this is what we say, someday. Someday I'm going to do that. In your 30s, you say it. Someday I'm going to do that. In your 40s, someday you're going to do that. And then someday, I mean, you're breathing your last breath, and you say, man, I didn't do it. So the top three things, I'm going to give you mine, and then uh, you all can give me yours, but the first one I want, uh, it's, they're not in um, priority. I, I just listed three things. So I put, I want to have a vacation with my whole family, I mean, grandkids and everybody. And uh, the second one is, I want, it's twofold, I want to see the Redwoods in California. How many of you have seen the Redwoods? I want to see the Redwoods. They say you can't drive through the tree anymore. Uh, bum. Anyway. If I go fast enough, I bet you I could. But anyway, uh, the second one, uh, uh, it's a redwood slash. I, wanna, I told my wife, I said, you're going to be in trouble on this one. I'm going to learn how to do the waltz. Which means she's going to have to learn how to do the waltz. And then the third one is, I want to have a million dollars in the, my checking account to further the kingdom of God. Now for Pueblo, if money was not an issue. Let me tell you some of the things that we did this on Wednesday. One of them was um, create a free after-school program for kids with a parent uh, parental training teaching system to help parents uh, have a large event center to bring uh, top Christian artists to Pueblo and a youth center so our young kids of the city can have a place to do stuff, you know, like arcade type stuff. Uh, a monster Pueblo water theme park. Yeah. Yeah. A five-star hotel. An awesome seniors living home. A top-rated high school. Top-rated Christian, thank you, Christian-rated high school. All right, and then uh, a, a, a homeless living rehabilitation home where people who are homeless could come and learn how to get a job and skills to get a job. So you're not just, you know, putting a Band-Aid on the situation, but you're having them to stay and learn how to get a job and be better off. So those are the things. And can I say why we're doing this? You know, I feel like we're going to build a church. I mean, you, so our church is really growing. So obviously I want to, we're going to build another building, have a bigger church. We are. But this is what I thought. This is outside of the religious box. What would impress Pueblo more and what would be a benefit as far as our city turning to Jesus? Would it be just to build a church and be satisfied with that? Or would it be to go to our city council and say we want to build a, I thought about you guys, building some kind of medical facility that's like the highest tech-in stuff on the planet in Pueblo. Or a five-star hotel. Or something on the Riverwalk that people in Denver would go, let's go to Pueblo this weekend. 
I was in, I, I've been traveling a lot, and if you're new to our church, I'm, that's not normal. I've been gone the last two months, more than the last five years probably. But um, I was talking with this guy up in Denver. I was in a conference up there, and he said, oh, you're from Pueblo. He goes, man, I drove through Pueblo. He says, man, it's ugly. He didn't sugarcoat it or what. And you, know, and you know, just like a proud parent, when you, you know, somebody says your kids are acting up or your kids are this, you know, what do you do? Well, they just, they haven't had a nap or they haven't slept in three years and neither have I. So, but they're good kids. They're good kids. They are the best kids that you just, they're, they're off day. So I did that with them. So I said, well, you know, that part, yeah, it's not that pretty, but you know, Pueblo's a great city. And I just thought, man, you're just like a grandfather talking about his city. But listen to me, listen to me. You've heard me say this, you know, if you go to, and I love the Denver people, and I understand why they say what they say, but you know, if you go to Denver, you go to, Pue- I mean, Springs or any place, and you say you're from Pueblo, they go, oh. You don't have to have a gift interpretation to know what they're thinking. They're thinking, I feel sorry for you, but you know, some, you got to live somewhere. I'm just sorry that's Pueblo. Listen, <laughs> listen to me. I believe God, this is God inside of me saying this. God does not want that for our city. He does not want that for Pueblo. It's his will. Let me just read a scripture to you in Isaiah. Isaiah 61, 7. I jumped the gun. Joel 2.25. I'm sorry. Joel 2.25. Listen. This is, I think, of Pueblo when I read this. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people should never be put to shame. You should never have to go up to somebody when you're outside of Pueblo or some other state, and they go, where are you from? Oh, I'm from (coughs) Colorado. (laughs) What was that? (coughs) Colorado. (coughs) It should not be shameful, listen to me, to tell people where you're from. All right, let me finish this. Where are we at? Who has dealt wondrously, and my people shall never be put to shame. Verse 27, then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am in the midst of Pueblo, and I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. I believe it's the will of God for the city to be blessed. I believe it's the will of God for our city to be beautiful. Uh, Chris reminded me of this, and I forgot. You, some of y'all remember. He says, you know what, Pastor? One of the number one messages I heard you preach that stuck to me was when you talked about Columbus, Indiana. And I said, yeah, I remember that. Columbus, Indiana has a population of 44,000 people today, but this was decades ago. Some guy in Columbus got this great idea they were, their school system was ran down, and all of the buildings were ugly, just brick, plain, brick, square, block buildings. And he said, why do we have to accept this? He says, why can't we have 
the most awesome architectural buildings on the planet. And so that guy started a crusade. To this day, Columbus, you can look it up, Cummins Engines, you know, they're famous. Their headquarters is there. But you can look up the architectural buildings of Columbus, Indiana, and it's in the top 10. I'm not for sure where. Somebody can Google it for me. I knew it when I preached it. But for the best architectural buildings in the United States, people from overseas who know about architect come and travel and visit Columbus, Indiana to look at their buildings. Population 44,000. When they did that, it was a lot less. I want to say it was in their 20s, but I'm not for sure. My point is this. It just took somebody standing up and say, we don't have to accept that even though we live in a small town, that we have to have ugly buildings and our kids go to ugly buildings. And when our businesses have ugly buildings that are plain buildings, we don't have to accept that. So he decided to have a crusade. They hired some of the best architecturals and engineers on the planet and they changed the city. Because somebody said, this, we don't have to accept this. Well... I don't believe we have to accept this about Pueblo. Not, I'm no better than anybody. Let me just say this. But I do know one thing. There's a voice that's on the inside of me that wants to get it out that Pueblo needs to be better. Yes, but you've got to change the people so have a huge revival. You can do that. You do have to change people. But my thinking is that if you have... a if I go to city council and say, we just want to build a great church, they go, okay, whatever. But I believe that I can get more attention from the heathen by doing good things and building great things. And they're going to say, well, the city council is going to go, you, you want to build some five-star hotel? You want to build some medical facility? You want to do this? Okay, well, you know, we don't have tax dollars to do that. You say, that's no problem. We want to build it. I have a funny feeling that everybody in city council may visit our church. I have a funny feeling you start wanting to change a city, you're going to have the ear of the politicians. You're going to have an ear for the school system if you want to build a great school and say, we're building it. We don't want your tax dollars. We'll take care of this. You say, Pastor, that takes millions of dollars. Oh, yeah, and God says, ooh, Oh, ah, Mike, you're really stretching me, Mike. How many think with the, the lights in heaven, just this, this meeting this morning, the lights in heaven are going, mm, mm, having a brown out in heaven because people in Pueblo are thinking big. Michael, the archangel, said, hey, come down down there. Man, you're, you're draining us. You're sucking life. No, come on now. Amen. How is it going to happen? I don't know. We're going to change the city? Yeah. Does it have a revival? Does it get people coming out of wheelchairs? I'm all about everything. I'm open to everything. But I do know one thing, for the bottom line to be what I see inside. And what I see inside is our river walk is going to be the best. I mean, people go, oh, why do we need to go to San Antonio? Why do we need to go to the Broadmoor? Yeah, man. Amen. Having a senior citizen's place that's like a resort. Yes. 
People say, I can't wait till I get 70. I'm going to live there. Saying, Pastor, you, this is just dreamland. This is just la-la land. This is just... Jesus said that he, his desire is that you have days of heaven on earth. If it was just the will of God for you and I to get saved and that's it, then why, why don't we just die and go to heaven right after we give our life to Jesus? He left us here for a reason and a purpose. People are looking for something to hook into that's bigger than them. I can't think of anything bigger. You know what? I've been pastor here for 20 years now. And I've always thought that I thought big. Until this month. I've always said, yes, Pueblo, we want you to be big. But I've never thought. In, because I felt like the Lord asked me this. He said, you want Pueblo to be great? Yeah. What's your plan? So I started thinking, well, if we want to be Pueblo to be great, then I need to get us together and say, what are we going to do? What do we want to see? If money were no option, what would you want to see? What do you want to see built? What do you want to drive to see? I mean, I want to drive. I love driving to a city, and there's plants and trees in the median instead of tumbleweeds. You know, people say, what is the flower or bush for, for Pueblo? It's the tumbleweed. Amen. That needs to be thought differently. Listen, I don't think it's the will of our Father to say there's not a good school in, in Pueblo. There's not a, a good, you know, I remember when I first started the church, this was 20 years ago, somebody says, well, we go to church in Springs because there's no good churches in Pueblo. And he was talking to me, and I'm a pastor of a church. Anyway, this is what I want us to get across, to think differently. And if we're going to think better about our city, then how we go, what do we want to see? For it to happen, you have to see it in your imagination. You have to see it in your imagination. You want your life to be better, you have to see your life better. You can't be thinking, I live paycheck to paycheck. You can't think, I'm always going to be sick. I've always struggled with health. I hate that. My mother did that the majority of her life. I remember coming into the living room, and she says, does anybody feel bad because I've got some medicine here? I mean, that's terrible. But that was a way of life when I was growing up. That's just a terrible thing. I'd rather be connected to some place that believes, listen to me, that believe, are we perfect around here? No, if you're looking for a perfect church, of course, when you came, it wasn't perfect. But I mean, if you're looking for a perfect... If you're looking for a person, people are saying, I don't want to go to that church because there's a bunch of hypocrites in it. That's like going to a hospital and saying, there's sick people there. <laughs> don't go. <laughs> oh, man. I want you to come because I believe you need to hear that God wants you blessed, prospered, healthy, and whole and victorious in every day of your life. Yeah. It is called the good news for a reason. 
But I don't know how many people think that if you get born again, you don't have any more fun, especially if I was a teenager. I didn't want to give my life to God because I thought you can't have more fun. Why? Because I go to church and see all these sad, depressed, mean people. And back then, they could hit you and nobody thought anything of it. I'm spitting paper wads at the, the pretty girls to get their attention. You know, that's what silly young boys do to get their attention. And the usher back in those days, man, bam, on the back of the head. And say, pull your head up out of your, I mean, you got up and, and said, you better stop that. Back then, they didn't care, you know, like, you know, getting sued or whatever. Slapped that snot right out of me. I got religious real quick. <laughs> but my point is this. God wants us to live life to the fullest and not in religion, but live in life. We talk about streets of gold and big mansions and, and just the, the serenity of heaven. There's going to be so much culture shock for the church. When we get there, we won't think we're not even supposed to be here. It's just a thought. <laughs> but I believe Pueblo is a great place for people to stand back and say, I visited Pueblo 20 years ago. Wow, what happened? And everybody's going to know that that's God. You start getting beautiful buildings and schools that are just awesome and Christian facilities and, and people just loving life. You know, Pueblo is known for the marijuana capital of the United States. It was on national news. That's not how I want to be known. And I don't think God is okay with that. So I thought, you know, the Bible says where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. So there's nothing that, that's what's been done in this city that grace cannot take care of. But God is needing some cooperation of the church to believe it could be different. So I just have enough audacity to say, I'll be that person. <laughs> I'm from Kentucky. That's the way life is. But you know what? I thought this, how I was raised in life. I thought about my life this past week. And I thought that wherever I was at or whatever I was connected to, I was 100% committed, 110%. I remember when I was 20 years old, we were playing basketball, and it was a hot day in Kentucky. I mean, you don't know hot. And it was like 99 degrees, and humidity was 99.9, .9 and it wasn't raining. I mean, it's just like you need gills or something to breathe. I played basketball for eight hours. I'm 20 years old, young man in shape and everything. I played basketball for eight hours, two-on-two. Two. We had a two-on-two two tournament outside, and I played for eight hours. The next day, I couldn't get out of bed. And I went to, my friend picked me up, took me to a, I couldn't even drive, took me to a chiropractor, and the chiropractor said, what have you, you're 20, what did you do? I said, I played basketball for eight hours nonstop. He says, that was stupid. He worked on me for an hour just so I could walk. But my point is, is I played, I did everything 110%. 110%. When I worked for FedEx, I bled fled FedEx blood. If you wore a brown uniform, drove a brown truck, I felt sorry for you. <laughs> because you were inferior. You were just... Because I knew that we had the best 
delivery and pickup service on the planet. And I was going to make sure that it stayed that way and made it better. I was 110%. So the Lord was just revealing this to me when I came to Colorado. I mean, I, I like sports, and so what? I became a 110% Bronco fan. I became a 110% Pueblo fan. I don't just live here. I believe that this is the greatest place on the planet. And you've heard me say that, and people just, Clint makes fun of me. You know, he's from here, and he started, left and went to Houston. And uh, he says, you know, you really do love Pueblo, don't you? Did you think I was faking it for all those years that you heard that? I'm, I'm serious. I believe Pueblo is great. I would not be here. If I thought there was a better city that God wanted me to, my bags would be packed. I believe God is wanting some loyalty, 110% type people to hook up to this. So I'm just saying it with my mouth. Jesus said this, my sheep hear and know my voice. So there's going to be this sound coming out of me that people will hear and say, I can get a hold of that. If you're here and you don't, that's fine. I still love you. I mean, I'm going to preach the gospel no matter what. I'm going to preach healing. I'm going to preach victory. I'm going to preach the love and the grace of God and that you're righteous, and you're going to hear that continuously. And you could be all the time saying, I can't wait to leave this city, and that's fine. But I am saying this. There needs to be a voice that comes, not from just this church, but from this city, from all of the churches, because it's going to take all of the churches, that's saying and proclaiming the gospel and the good news and saying something different that everybody else is saying about our city. It's obviously that anybody can look at our city and say, oh, there's gang problem. There's, I mean, there's just, I mean, look at the statistics. Look at this. Look at that. And just drive through the city. Heavens forbid. Don't do it at nighttime, though. If you do, keep the doors locked and the foot on the gas pedal. You know, the church believes this, that we call those things that be not as though they are. So you're supposed to call things that be not. But we, you know, people in Pueblo don't do that. We call things just the way that they are, and that's all the way that they will be. And dear Lord, Pueblo's going to hell in a handbasket. Do you think that's okay for God? Do you think it's okay with God that the gangs and the drugs take over our city? you think that's okay? Then the church better... They better stand up and say, not in my town. Amen. Do I know all the logistics and the plans that I'm trying to tell you? Absolutely not. You can ask my wife. She's the detail person. I'm the one that says, this is what I see. How are we going to do it? Don't have a clue. That's why I'm married to her. My house is organized. My wife is organized. My life is organized. The church is organized because of her. Because God know, knew they said, you're going to need help. <laughs> this is what the scripture says. Look at Psalms 121.2. Psalms 121.2. My help to rebuild, to establish Pueblo, Colorado comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If God made heaven... 
I'm pretty sure that he can make Pueblo all right. Are you hearing me? This is huge. This is big. This isn't Mike Davis. This is God. I'm telling you, this is God. This is God. Our Father, he's wanting somebody to stand up and say, Pueblo needs to be changed, overhauled. If Columbus, Indiana, has anybody ever been to Columbus, Indiana? Has anybody ever heard of Columbus, Indiana? It's a hole-in-the-wall place. It's a lot smaller than Pueblo. And it made not only the national map, people from overseas came to Columbus, Indiana to see the, the magnificent architectural. You can Google it. And, and I remember when I preached that, I pulled the pictures up here, if you all remember, of the architectural buildings of Columbus, Indiana. Why? Because somebody had a dream. Somebody thought differently. Somebody thought big, bigger than what their pocketbook is. Listen, if you and I can do it in our own pocketbook and our own intellect and our own strength, it may just not be God. But if it's bigger than my pocketbook and bigger than my brain and bigger to, uh, too big for me to figure it out, but I can see it, God says, oh, I'm glad you're coming up a little bit, Mike. Because if I can do it, it's probably not God. So this is what I want you all to start thinking and believing. Write it down, man. Write it down. Make the vision plain that what would I spend money on? But let's believe the best. And let's pray. Thank God that he's going to give us the ability to do How many know, first of all, I'll be real just natural about it. That's going to take probably literally millions, multi-millions of dollars. And it's going to take multi, just like Mills said, people coming together to lay down your differences. It's going to take people who will say, I want to be part of that. Whether they're Baptists or Assemblies or Pentecostals or Catholic. But I want to be, I think if every church in the city heard us this morning, they would say, I would like to see that to happen. So my point is, how many know that's God? It's got to be a God thing. I can't make that happen. You can't. But if we can believe God and start praying like that, church, we need to pray like this. Say, God, we want our city to be like that. So I'm going to believe that you're going to get people, raise people up, maybe even people brought from the outside to be brought right to Pueblo and say, the Lord spoke to me and said, I had a dream and, and this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how it's going to be. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I do know this, that the Lord wants that to happen. He does.